0: You, my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just
1: Welcome to Two Day Dream oh. Believers podcast. I am your host, Space eighteen. Today we are doing the curtside of the Devil episode, Thanksgiving and Swan Song. Got a lot of great stuff for you today, and I have two really awesome returning guests who are very patient with me as I, you know, have a tendency to forget things. So here they
0: are. Hi, I'm Kitty, and I am Slayer Kitty on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Connie, and I'm Sleep Deprived Mind on Tumblr.
1: All right. Thanks, guys, for being here. Um, let's jump in a bit with Thanksgiving. Uh, one of the themes of this episode is home. And um, kind of the, the the lime aside really kind of hammers at home with all of the returning seniors and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but with Kurt and Rachel, they decide to stay in New York, and we don't actually see them. Until eight minutes into the episode, when they are walking around the New York Public Library talking about home. So their first scene, they're they're walking along, and it's Rachel saying, "Uh, you know, we're here in New York now, and we're not gonna go to Thanksgiving because we don't need to because we are mature adults."
0: Anybody else laugh at that statement? Cause I do. Yeah, me, I just a
1: chuckle for irony. Yeah, Rachel kind of, she's on this somewhat misguided but understandable mission to prove that she is an adult living in New York, you know, being the best thing that she can ever be, and she's kind of dragging Kurt along with her, but he's not, like, not willingly going with her. He says at the end of the scene that, you know, he's okay with drinking her Kool-Aid, but um, it's kind of funny because she is kind of taking charge in this. And she's like, we don't need, you know, our families. We don't need our ex-boyfriends or our current kind of love interests. Um, we've got each other and that is all we need. And to me, Kurt kind of does look like he's just going along with it. You know, he when she's like, oh, you're the only significant other I need. I'm like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> well, they often wrote their relationship as... Like, they, they, if if he wasn't gay, they'd be dating. Yeah,
1: but if, it, if he wasn't gay, it wouldn't work. Like, it's almost like they want <laughs> him to be racial significant other and gay best friend. It's like, you know.
2: Yeah, it's true. It seemed to me like he, he was going on, but kind of half-heartedly, I think. I think she was trying to, you know, really push forward, or at least she thinks she wants to push forward, and she doesn't need anybody else, but... He, you could tell he was kind of holding back a bit. He's like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I'll go along with
1: what. Oh, yeah. Well, and he says uh-huh. he misses his dad. I mean, I think that's. Yeah. yeah he kind of has this melancholy uh, feel about him because he's like, I miss my dad. And he misses, mm-hmm. you know, home and and Thanksgiving is, you know, it, it really is about a time about when you come back home and you are with the people you love and this family, you know, mentality. And, and he's really missing that And Rachel I'm guessing You know uh, you get less of a I don't know if she is or if she's just Being so stubborn in her Defiance that we wouldn't know But I do think that there's a little bit of homesickness In him in this Yeah I, th- I think so And I think it's interesting because this Kind of goes back
2: to It touches upon the theme of home again Um and in relation to the role That you were born to play When, when um Or I think when uh, when, uh, um, Kurt says to Blaine, "This isn't home anymore." I mean, that's uh, uh, when I was thinking about that uh, when you were talking about home. That was kind of echoing in the back of my mind when he says, "This isn't home anymore." So he's trying to make New York his home, but you know, but his heart is still, no matter what he's. (laughs) He says to himself, he's still missing home in a way, and like his father and
1: things. So, oh, that's a really good <laughs> point, Connie, that you you brought up with Glees when he when he left Blaine and he said that this isn't home anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, I I wrote in my notes, um, a city can be really huge and lonely and empty when you only know one other person in it.
2: Yeah, that's true too.
1: Uh, <laughs> and,
2: I, and I still think it's kind of the one foot and still one foot, they're still trying to figure out this one foot in New York, one foot in, um, in, in Lima, so it's, a—I uh, think they're still trying to figure out their place in the context of everything. I mean, not for the show, but in the characters,
1: yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to just point out quickly is that Rachel is so, um, oh, what is the word for it? So steamrolly with her thoughts and emotions I don't think she really understands where Kurt is regarding, you know, his breakup or where he is a bit emotionally. And not that he's being open to her early, either. You know, when he says, I'm just going to go along with Kool-Aid, he kind of means that. He doesn't yeah. really want to,
0: but... And that, that doesn't really change, either, because further along in later episodes, um, she's still, like... Steamrolling right over him and not really paying attention to what he might be feeling because they're feeling the same thi- things. Yes, in in mm-hmm. her eyes. Yeah, they make a promise though that they're going to make this
1: Thanksgiving home, which works mm-hmm. until she decides to bring Brody along. That's the funny thing is that <laughs> after this, yeah. um, she she kind of goes off and and flirts with Brody and is like, "Hey, come over for Thanksgiving," and it kind of. Negates a little bit this whole independent Thing that she's trying to do in the scene So yeah. so yeah, yeah.
0: I,
2: lo- I love how they call it The orphans Don't they call it like the orphans dinner or orphans Party or something I like that term
0: I think it's a uh, what, is it Orphan Thanksgiving is what they call it? I don't yeah. know what exactly it's called I think yeah, that's something. an actual term that people use
2: Oh really I didn't know that Yeah It's the first time I heard about it in that show So
0: Yeah I think I've, I mean, I don't know that every day people use it, but I've heard it on other shows before.
1: Oh, okay, that's cool. The next scene that we get with Kurt. Oh, I should. I want to mention really quickly before we get to Isabel, though. Um, it, and this actually happened before the Hummel-Berry scene. Was the all of the old seniors? They they got together and they're sitting around and they and Mike actually is the one that mentions. Uh, they said Rachel and Kurt aren't there. And it's not even Finn that says anything. It's Mike who says, you know, he's not talking to Blaine. And I, first of all, I, we said this on the other podcast. I, I think it's interesting that Mike is actually still keeping in touch with Blaine because I'm pretty sure this is or Tina's telling people.
0: I think it's, it's either through Tina or through Blaine. Although, I mean, were he and Tina talking at that point? Because he did drop her like a hot potato.
1: Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that I just wanted, you know, that comment, that thought that Kurt has literally not been talking to Blaine at all since Glee like he went home for Glee and he has been absolutely no communication after that.
0: Well, even even before that, that okay, so the one there's the night when he comes in and for Glee and whatever, but even before that he wasn't talking to him because uh in is it in seven when the episode right before this when uh blaine tells sam it's like uh yeah Yeah. dynamic West, that's what it is yeah he's like he's like he won't return my calls he did you know i sent him a box set of was it something gilmore girls Gilmore Rose. Yeah, that was actually a role yeah. you were born to play, but... Okay. Still he's like, he's not returning my calls, he's, like, doing all this, and so he's been not talking to him, basically, since they broke up, with the exception of when they came to Lima that one night.
1: Yeah. But it also, he's not necessarily dealing with it, and so I guess that kind of leads into this this conversation with Isabel. So he he's late at Vogue, I'm guessing he's throwing himself into his work a little bit, because um, he isn't into Niata yet, and um, side note: I completely forgot to mention, uh, Kurt did say that he was, you know, prepping his his next neata audition in in that little scene. But you know, he's talking to Isabel, and this is the first time I think that he's really actually had a chance
0: to talk to somebody about how he feels a little bit. Uh-huh. Somebody who's actually going to listen to how he feels and not try yeah. to impose their own feelings on the situation. Yeah, yeah.
1: So he, he admits that, you know, he has been thinking about it. He's been thinking if they are should get together or if they shouldn't. or and, and I get the impression that he because he, he's like, you know what, I've been, it's just, he, he, I get the impression that he was going to be like, you know what, I'm tired of thinking this. If I can cut it all off, then I can stop feeling this pain and I can move forward, just like Rachel keeps telling me I should.
0: And that is not really working. No, nope. and it, but it seems to be his to defense mechanism for every time he gets, uh, you know, he's dealing with something in his life. He just sort of shuts down and shuts everybody out. Yep. 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 And pushes
1: away. I mean, look at, you know, back in season one when he was having problems with his dad and his dad calls him out on it. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, son that you never had and tries to leave. And they're like, no, get back here. We're not doing that yeah and the stuff with yeah. finn i mean right after like all that stuff with finn, finn went down he's like you know what i'm over you i'm done goodbye you know like the, he's really not really in the next couple episodes which takes place at the end of season one and early season two he's like yeah nobody's you know nobody thinks you're perfect and wonderful anymore finn whatever um and that's kind of just what he does um so yeah. he's well, I of, think, oh go ahead i think kitty
2: brought up a good point in that uh I think the reason, one of the reasons why he's open to Isabel is because she actually listens to him and doesn't try to bring in. I mean, she doesn't really have that past history with him, and I mean, he she actually listens and she kind of brings in the perspective of an outsider, who's not really in the situation, so doesn't really. He, she's she's not really or uh, I guess she can bring a different perspective, and so. Um, but, well, uh, and I think that's why he's he opens up. I think.
0: Well, and, and she's sort of a, a a motherly figure for him, you mm-hmm. know, in, in a way. Because I mean, he he obviously spent a lot of his formative years without a mother figure, and he do, obviously would not be talking about boys with Carol. I don't think yeah and so she sort of becomes this i mean he already looks up to her as a role model and kind of an idol in a certain way so he's definitely going to be more willing to listen to what she has to say and plus you're right she's Almost an impartial third party in a way. She doesn't know Blaine. Mm. She doesn't know anything about Lima. She doesn't really any know a whole lot about Kurt other than probably the basics. Mm. So she could give the best impartial advice.
1: Yeah. Yep. I, I and I do like what she has to say here. I think that she looks at it and I think that she's more of an experienced person because, you know, Rachel doesn't have much more experience than he does in all of this stuff. But she is older and she sounds like she's gone through some breakups herself. And she basically, even though he's going to go in a different direction, says, look, if I was blame, not not explicitly, she didn't say blame, but, you know, I would want to be forgiven. Or, you know, if you need to let go, maybe you need to actually deal with this and forgive him so you can move on.
0: Yeah, forgiveness is not always for the per- the injured person, for or, mm-hmm. or the person who did the injuring, but it's also for the person who was injured. Because the only way that you can begin to heal is to try to forgive the person who did it, even if you didn't get back together.
2: Yeah,
0: you can't get and over it until you try to forgive what they did to you.
2: And I think this is a good mirror because in Dynamic watch the episode before this, I mean, I mean. Yeah, that was sort of that like a what, lot of.
0: Yeah, Blaine was yeah. going through the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's what
2: essentially Sam told Blaine is by the locker is that even if Sam or even if uh, even if Kurt doesn't forgive you, that you have to like kind of forgive your, I guess forgive yourself in a sense and then move out move on. So for in that that kind of what that was the the impetus for Blaine to kind of uh, get back. You know that was a really turning point for him, himself. So I think that kind of mirrors that. That kind of their, con- the the comfort- This conversation mirrors their conversation in a way. So,
1: yep. Yep. Yeah. I think you know at the heart of it, Isabel is saying, "Look, you you need to deal with this. Like you, because she could probably see that he's kind of just like, you know, what I'm done. I'm not going to feel like. And you can't. I mean, we have all been through really emotional things." Mm-hmm. You can't Mm -hmm. shut yourself off completely from that. It doesn't work. Um, I mean, and especially, like, if you look at Rachel, and she's compartmentalizing everywhere, and it's just going to be an emotional mess when she, like, finally breaks up with Brody, and everything kind of just goes haywire at the end of season four for her. It's, like, Mm -hmm. you cannot ignore how you feel about things forever. So eventually it's going to burst in some way, and she she recognizes that. So. Yeah, I just remember at the time there were a lot of people who were like, "Wow, Kurt is so cold and unforgiving in this episode," and it's like, no, he's just that's how he's dealing with it because, uh, as we'll talk about at the end of it, the first time he's actually emotionally honest is when he's talking to Blaine at the phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. So yeah, then uh, then it gets into you know the whole orphan dinner Thanksgiving he invites her because she's usually on her own. Or she usually goes to Gore Vidal and he passed away, so. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was such a random reference, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? but, but they uh, I mean, that's Ryan Murphy, like.
0: That's true.
1: Yeah. And I do mm-hmm. think, you know, Kurt softens a little bit at the end of the scene because he comes in and they, they talk, you know, at first they talk about, like, you know, double features and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, he gets all tense with his Blaine stuff. And when she finally gives him the advice, he kind of softens and kind of listens to her. And I think, you know, before he's not really listening to Rachel, he's just kind of going along with whatever, you know. But yeah. here he's kind of, you know, listening to her, to Isabel. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. So then we get actual Thanksgiving, um, which they decide to dress up. Do you guys ever dress up for Thanksgiving?
0: No. In no. fact, <laughs> uh, there's a good chance that I don't ever change out of my pajamas. <laughs> If I'm not leaving my house (laughs) and then I always just wear like jeans and a t shirt. I mean, what are you gonna do? Eat food all day? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just funny that
1: I mean I guess they're having company or you know, and they and Kurt is like I can see Kurt saying, I want everybody to look nice today.
0: Well, I mean, Rachel's trying to impress Brody and I guess in a sense, I mean, Isabel is his boss at At Vogue or whatever, so he can't look like, you know, like he's in his pajamas. They are doing dinner prep,
1: and Brody's over. And this is the beginning of Kurt not liking Brody a whole
0: lot. Oh my god, the turkey thing. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, Oh jeez. Okay, so first off, Rachel, still a vegan or vegetarian or whatever... At least I remembered that in this scene. Because she said, I'm not going to eat
1: it, but I'll just help you prep it. And that's when they start, uh-huh. like, manhandling the turkey.
0: Ugh. Ah. <laughs> I just can't get over that. He's just like, <laughs> well, no, I'm not eating it now that you've molested it. <laughs> I, I
1: love Kurt's line about, uh, he's like, I in a garden, would never cook a turkey in a bag.
0: I resent that I have cooked many a turkey in a bag (laughs) As a side side note Did did you guys read my Ina
1: Garten story? No? Okay, I'm going to tell you guys this This is a little side note I don't know if I'll leave this in or not So basically I had this customer come in And uh, he's an older gentleman Maybe in his 60s And he needed some books for his grandkids So I was helping him get some books for his grandkids And you know, he's a real nice guy and then at the end, he like, gets really quiet and he's like, look, I have to ask you for something. I'm very, very sorry, but my wife needs this and I, I I just have to get it, but I'm very sorry. I'm like, okay, this is weird. And he goes, I need a book by Vagina Garden. And oh I'm, like, hey. I'm, like, okay. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, it's not the weirdest thing anybody's ever asked me, but that is pretty weird. So I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, let's look it up because I'm like, what the hell? Okay. And um, he's like, yes, yeah, he, my wife wanted. And he's like, stammering. He's like, my wife's wanted. It. It's a cookbook. I'm like, so I stop." I'm like, did you mean Ina garden? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ah, that's hysterical. Oh, boy. I would have I just lost it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah.
0: I got to admit, uh, I might have been laughing, too. I yeah. well,
1: I kind of kept it in until he started laughing so and then I started laughing because then I took yeah. him to the
0: cookbooks, showed
1: him the Ina Garten, the, the face up that we had, and then he's like, "Oh, that's the book." I'm like, "Yeah, it's Ina Garten." Yeah. <laughs> I bet he was so relieved. Yes, he was. He just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was as funny as I did. So. Oh it's boy. Hilarious. Well, that's good.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So
1: anyway, this is the weird thing about Brody being there with them. though. he says nobody's allowed to break out in song, and this is my. I, I wrote my notes, what the fuck, Brody? You go to Niata. Why are you not bringing uh, out this song all the time? You make no sense to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I think my favorite part about that line, though, is the look they both give him, like, yeah. what? Yeah. She looks personally offended by that. <laughs> <It does>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, I'm sorry. Brody is not going to make a very good musical theater person someday. I'm not convinced oh. of this. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised he even got into Niara. So this is my thing, okay? Niara doesn't let in Kurt the first time. Doesn't let yeah. in Adam Lambert. Doesn't let in Jesse St. James. Yeah, but it lets in yeah. Brody yeah. and those sycophants. <laughs> and um, and it, well, Adam is on the borderline, I guess so. But like, yeah. you know. <laughs> What the heck? You know, it lets in Rachel oh, after yeah. she sucks Karma Tibido. So I am not convinced of Niada's prestige. I'm sorry, I just.
0: Well, see that makes me wonder if they sort of have like. See, I want to know more about this fictional school. Like, uh-huh. do they have specific majors, like, or do you just take generalized? classes that could assist in future musical theater like Rachel's obviously a singer but she's taking dance classes and you know this that and the other things so I really want to know more and I'll never know and it will drive me insane yeah Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I think that the writers didn't have a good grasp on what a musical theater college would be
0: The writers don't have a grasp about a lot of things involving college. That That's yeah. true. These kids don't act
1: like college students. They act like... I love the first time we... Don't even know how to properly apply to college. Yeah. yeah, That's because none of them ever went, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean... Well, I mean yeah. They're all <laughs> rather successful people that did not go
0: to college, but um, I'm like, come on, guys. Just do at least a little research. Mm-hmm. I mean... Google and Wikipedia can tell you in five minutes what the standard college application process is. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. So we get into
1: um, that the, the little kitchen thing is just a little bit moment. And then later on, before Israel gets there, they have this nice little quiet moment with the candlelight. And it's, it's really sweet. And, and Rachel... Here's my thing. Rachel goes on reminiscing about Thanksgiving with her dads and Mm -hmm. talking about how all of those things are now in the past. And I love what Kurt says to her. He basically tells her, you know, just because we're in a new place, that doesn't need to stop. That sense of family, that sense of home does not need to be dropped just because we're in a new place. And I, I like that he says that to her because I think she's being a little ridiculous about this whole... You know, let's cut ourselves off completely from our old lives. And I I don't think that's the thing. Even when you move to a new place, even when you are, you know, trying to start a new life, I don't think it is something that you need to 100% cut yourself off from the things that came before in your past. But that's just me. Exactly.
0: And you shouldn't, I mean, aside from maybe, obviously, you know, they always say, like, when you go to college and your friends for that you had in high school, you might grow apart. There are exceptions to that, obviously. But, you know, you might grow apart or, you know, but you're not going to drop your family. Mm-hmm. And and the way she's acting is, like, it's not even that they're cutting. She wants to cut off all their old friends and, like, not go back home. That's great. Where are your dads? Invite them to New York for the weekend. Right, exactly. Mm, I mean, obviously, Glee didn't want to do that because they didn't want to pay actors to play her parents and what have you, but... (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean... They're purposely. I mean, the, like I said, the big thing about this particular
1: episode and these kind of two episodes is about being home, and they purposely cut them off from all of the returning seniors who are going home and are have have this fam- have this family at home because you know Finn's story is about being you know yeah. back at home and succeeding mm-hmm. and flourishing there. Hands down, my favorite Finn storyline. Yeah, mine too. Yep. But yeah, this doesn't mean they can't have their own new traditions, and I like that. You know, over the course of the time that they're in New York, it does change um, because I, I really, I think one of the things that turned me off originally to the New York stuff, even though you know Kurt's my favorite character, was that this whole idea that it had to be segregated from everything else that was going on in the show. And when they finally got over that mentality and kind of integrated everything together, where New York is not this isolated island um, in the middle of nowhere, um, that you know, it did feel it is a new home for them and yet it's still connected to everything that came before it.
0: Well, yeah. and, and, and to bring a little, little Lima into it, I also felt that way about Lima itself as a standalone plot. You had all these storylines involving the seniors. So characters that we love, Tina, Artie, Blaine and Sam, and all them, and Brittany, everybody interacting. And then you had all the new, the newbies, I guess, for lack of yeah. a better word. In their own storylines, and I'm like, they're in the same town, they're in the same glee club, their plots should be overlapping, and they're not, and it would drive me crazy because the way that they introduced those characters was terrible because I didn't care about them because they weren't interacting with characters I did care about.
1: Right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Karen.
2: Well, I think that was part of the part of we we see we saw the writers and it's. Uh, I, th- I don't think the writers and they knew kind of how to manage every you know multiple storylines yeah, and that see, setting, I can't so. tell
0: if they did it on purpose uh, or if it was just an accidental byproduct of the struggle you know behind the scenes of the show you know maybe it's a combination yeah maybe it's, it's a combination. Weird combination of 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 the both where and and so right about the time in basically episode seven is where they sort of merged the all the lima storylines together yeah they actually had them perform together as one big group yeah and then here we are in episode eight where they're slowly starting to merge new york back into everything and and so i feel like uh either they figured out that what they were doing wasn't working or it was the plan all along and now they're slowly merging everything in together. I can't tell sometimes. No, I can't
1: either. I do, I used to say, and we talked about a lot of this in the early couple of episodes of season four, is that right off the bat, they were trying to do two, almost three um, shows all at once. They wanted definitely Glee, the new class, and Glee, the next, sorry, Glee, the next generation, with Glee, the college years, and they kind of shoved them both together, and Of course, there just isn't room, but also you have the seniors are their own little island of show. Mm. And, uh, right, it isn't until episode seven, because if you look back at seasons five, not seasons five, episodes Mm. five and six, they are kind of a mess of plot lines,
0: because... And even though everybody is all in one place for the Gleese thing, they don't feel like it.
1: No. Whereas this episode... Um, well, and, and yeah, dynamic West really kind of starts the cohesiveness of the show back, back the return of the cohesiveness that. Eight, here you've got the old kids mix, mixing with the new kids, and you've got a theme that kind of goes bridges the two. You have the sense of home in both the New York and the Lima sides. You, you finally get forward moving, which is interesting. Something I want to bring up in more so in Swan Song is that. When I look at the big picture, though, of all of season four, I can see the arcs where they go from episode one all the way through pretty much through Glee, actually, because when we come back in Sadie Hawkins, it feels like a different show. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. So um, then we get the the rest of the Thanksgiving, and what we get is a, a really delightful little performance called Let's Have a Kiki. Uh. The
0: first time, okay, so they announced that they're doing this song. I would never listened to anything back. With- I've had this Sister Sisters before. So I went and I listened to the song on YouTube, and basically I was just like, What? with a thousand exclamation points. Because yeah. I was like, What is this? <laughs> I was like, How are they going to do this?
1: <laughs> Apparently, this was like the number one gay club hit of the time period. Like, you know, all of the really posh gay clubs
0: were listening to this song. Well, and Chris loves the Scissor Sisters, so he does. Yeah,
1: yeah. do you notice he has a little scissor pin on his vest? He does. Yeah, I assume that's why.
0: Love the prop department. I I love this. I
1: love this little section. I love that Isabel comes and she brings all the drag queens, and it's so <laughs> much fun. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, and then in the middle. of Love it! Rachel has to inject some some musical theater, and she's like yeah. that. She gets up on the chair. And they're all staring at her, like, yeah. <laughs> and, then and then I, I like, look that. on their faces. I I always lose it right there.
1: You know, unpopular opinion time. I love turkey Lurgy time in the middle of it. It's so insane and it's so crazy. No, as a it song is. performance, it's you know the song itself like. Let's have a Kiki alone is fine. But I think it's just so hilarious
0: that she just gets up and starts singing Turkey Lurkey time. Yeah. It just makes me laugh every time I hear it. So, Oh, yeah. it's, it should not have worked as a mashup. It should not have worked. But it but did. It does. I think it doesn't, so. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I mm. just, it makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. And then they're all just like, okay, let's go with it. Yep. And I like how how Brody's
1: right in the middle of this. He's like, what the heck is, you know, what the He's hell is a is kiki? It? Like- <laughs> I love, because, you know, Brody is the audience for the most part, yeah, but I love yeah. that, that Kurt and Rachel kind of, through song, explain it to him. Like, mm. a kiki is it? Whatever it is. I don't know the lyrics.
0: It's a party for calming all your nerves. Come on now,
1: calming all your nerves. (laughs) Yeah, and I just love how they both. Because Rachel has always, you know, she's got two gay dads, and she's very much immersed in LGBT community. And this is, you know, a really, you know, for lack of better terminology, it's a really big gay thing that's going on right now. And yeah, Brody just seems a little like, what is going on? Could you? I just I remember when my mom saw this She's like, I'm not sure what that just happened But that was fun
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, again, I question Brody Brody, you're at a musical theater school 90% yeah. of the people there will probably be gay What is wrong with you? Uh, you know, and it's interesting uh, This performance happens And this happens before the phone call And I think it's an interesting thing Because on the one hand Kurt has this experience and this is where New York finally really gets to be a home. There's a sense of community here. Isabel brings these people into his home and they have a fun party and are very welcoming. And this is the first time Kurt has really like gotten to express himself and everybody's really, really accepting of that. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. At the same time, um, I remember I was talking to Multicorn about this, so shout out to her for this idea. It can also make him miss home, too, because, um, you know, it feels, you know, this is great, but it does seem like something's missing a little bit, and that something is Blaine
0: And his dad. And, and I've often wondered what exactly it was that made him go out and call Blaine, because it's sort of just kind of, I mean, yeah, Isabel's there, but it's not like it. she prompted him to go do something. Yeah. Yep. She, uh, again, this,
1: these are, this is Multicorn's words, not mine The kiki makes Kurt feel both less alone in one sense And more alone in another And in both of these effects combine, interestingly To make him call Blaine To make him reach out and talk to Blaine For the first time since Blaine confessed to the cheating But it's, it's that combination of You know, this place is now home and accepting But, you know, it is missing something And now that yeah. I'm beginning to feel a little bit better Maybe I'm okay to reach out because, you know, I want to talk to somebody about this thing. Who is my best friend? Who would I tell for Blaine? But he's not here. So that's kind of how I interpret it.
2: Yeah, I agree. And also, I think you touched upon it too. I mean, during the phone call, when they do talk, I think he does say, you know, he misses, he hasn't forgiven me yet, but he misses his best friend. So... He's not thinking about playing in the sense well, to what extent he's thinking about playing in a romantic sense, but he misses that friendship part that it's missing, so.
0: Because they were such good friends before they became anything else. They used to tell yeah. each other everything. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, and who would really appreciate a
0: bunch of drag queens coming in and singing, let's have a <laughs> yeah. I mean, what would, what would Finn do with that information? What would his dad do with that information? <laughs> So you had a good time? Like, blank. I've got to tell you this thing that just yeah. happened. I
1: just saw She-Angela, or how did she say yep. that? Name? I
0: don't remember, but, like... <laughs> yep. like yep. I totally just sang musical theater, like, you know? <laughs> 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 and, yeah, that yeah. And that's the, the thing, and he doesn't
1: have that right now. I mean, Rachel is, you know, Rachel is... is, is you know, I do think Kurt and Rachel are good friends. I'm not going to downplay the Hummelberry friendship, but... There are some things that he just, you know, she's there experiencing it with him. She's, you know, so it's not going to be, you know, so. Jumping into the next, the next time we see Kurt is this phone call. So he's out, and and I want to take a second and just set the stage, because I think this is really a fascinating way to film this. Um, Mm -hmm. You have Kurt out on this ladder, and there's all of these golds, and these blacks, and these yellows, this coloring, and flip side of that blaine who is out and he's kind of underneath the ladder and it's black and yellow and i i love that it's kind of a complementary inversion of the colors there
0: well Mm -hmm. and i feel like they sort of staged it that way to make it feel like they were in the same room even though they weren't in the same room right
1: i mean yeah it's definitely two ladders um and it's just, it's a really cool, it's almost like a stage setup, actually. But, yeah, I, I think that, you know, with Clayton, they've always done, I mean, even, you can go back to season two and see where the costume people, you know, matched them up pretty well when, whenever they could. But I think starting here, you really get that sense of complementary colors that you see throughout the rest of the series. That I, I, I just always notice. I'm not one to like you know go crazy with that matter because I'm not good at it. But I notice it now. So know. Yeah. we get the phone call, and and also we should mention this comes after. I mean, we did definitely talk about something other side, but um, this comes after Blaine has started forgiving himself. So mm-hmm. I think that individually, they both reached this place. Where they can start to move forward, and they needed to get there before they could, like, be okay with themselves before Mm -hmm. any kind of reconciliation happens. Yeah. 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 All right, so we get this phone call, and, you know, Kurt calls him, and he's not exactly, like, he's already emotional. Just, I'm sure he was nervous even dialing the phone.
0: Oh, gosh, do you know how many times he started to dial and hung up? I just can see it Mm. in my head. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I love the things that Kurt says. He says, "I miss you like crazy." He like, "You're still my best friend," you know. And and he doesn't listen to I. I mean, he doesn't listen to Rachel's advice at all. But he doesn't necessarily listen to uh, Isabel's advice of you know forgiving him. He doesn't forgive Lane. He says he's trying, but he can't.
0: He also says he's willing to talk, though. Right.
1: Yeah. The the biggest thing about it is that it's the open of the communication. He's like, "Here, I'm calling you." Because I miss yeah. you, because you are my best friend yeah. You know, you might hurt me really deeply But not having you in my life hurts me more Yeah
0: And and now this, and this comes up again uh, Sort of as an aside in Swan Song But now Blaine knows that he, he can call him and talk to him And Kurt will answer his call
1: Yeah Which is a big thing too Yep Yep yeah. And, you know, and he says, you know, because it's Thanksgiving and it's sectionals and et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing, Kurt, throughout this, you know, you know, Rachel going, yes, we need to be independent and on our own. He'd miss his home. He's a little homesick. Yeah. And, you know, it is the holidays and it is sectionals and it is, you
0: know, and he's thinking of his home, which is. It's, It's the first time that there's been a sectionals that he hasn't been there.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: But this is, you know, as
1: much as they are trying to redefine home and as much as he dismissed it in Gleese Blaine is still his home um, or one yeah. aspect of that. And I, I think that
2: what is also significant is that when he goes on to say that he says, like, when I come back, like when we come back and let's that we, we both should have a really I mean, we both should have a heart to heart talk. And that's the first time that he's mentioned, you know, he's opened to any of that. So, and that that which shocks, which really shocks Blaine because he, he thought he was never gonna have have that again. So, at least he had reached the point that said, okay, let's talk and see where, where things stand. You know, how, how do we move forward with that, or at least the start of it, and that was significant. So
1: This is the first time in the entire episode That Kurt is being completely Emotionally honest Mm -hmm. You know he is breaking down crying as he's Talking to playing but he's being Pretty you know he's telling Blaine exactly How he feels like I'm not over the Pain of this breakup but You know at the end of the day And this is the biggest thing and I remember how shocked We all were because it's one of the things that we Actually didn't get spoiled at the end Kurt says I love you too And that is like the biggest thing
0: yeah. Right, I think we were all kind of crying at that point.
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: And I, I think um look, we can talk to a little bit about this later in Swang Song, but I think this kind of uh, when the events of Swang Song happens, I think it kind of echoes this particular—not this phone call pursuit, but Kurt opening up himself and being honest and vulnerable and things. So I think that kind of echoes that. In the next
1: episode, so we can come back and
0: Yeah, I think, I think yeah. it's definitely something to come back to.
1: Yep, I think you're oh. right on. Hold on, just a like My cat is walking over my... <laughs> Hi,
0: <laughs> Hi <laughs> kitty! Hi, <laughs> kitty! Oh.
1: Yeah, I just didn't want her I'm, to stop the recording
0: because <laughs> that would be really bad. I'm super bummed, bummed that, that you got your cat, cat after, after I, I visited. visited.
1: I know, I'm sorry! I'm sorry. So can we still see it next time? Yeah. You, you can come back. And- okay, so back to this phone call. Well, we kind of pretty much touched upon everything, but the biggest thing in full is that Kurt lets Blaine back into his life again. And mm-hmm. it's emotionally hard, but he still loves Blaine, mm-hmm. and he still cares for Blaine. And no matter what, and this echoes later on in Glee, actually they're still going to be each other in each other's lives if they'd never gotten back together and they peeled and they moved on with their lives i still think that in some capacity they would have
0: been in each they other. would have still been best friends and i love when he comes back in and he sort of just looks at isabel and she looks at him and she she's like just seems to know what he was doing yeah. and then she just gives him this big hug and he lets her Yeah. Because you know how he is about stuff like that. And he's just crying and she just gives him this big old hug and I'm just like, oh,
1: Yeah, that was very emotional. Yes. He doesn't let people in like that. But Isabel Mm -hmm. has been such a wonderful mentor. And I'm so sad. We don't, we see her once more, but it's not really in, I mean, it's in um, Lights Out and they're not. It's not a great storyline. Yep. It, it's not usually used for... His, it's not his emotional story that they're talking about in that one, so... Um, this is kind of the last thing, and and I wish he was around more. I think that he benefited from having this older mystery. say um,
0: see, unfortunately they got a big name to play Isabel, and they have to pay Sarah Discomacher. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this the last time that we see her before um, before that lights out, or is I that-
0: think so. okay? No, we, right. No, she, is she in?
1: Is this it, or is she in Swan Song? No, she's not in Swan Song. No, she. she, oh, she only okay. did three episodes because Kate Hudson was. I, I cannot believe I'm gonna say this. She's only in five episodes, and and Sarah Jessica Parker was in three.
0: I thought Kate Hudson did six. Am I wrong about that? No, she
1: did five.
0: Right, oh. every time I read that, I'm like, really? It seemed like she was in every damn episode. Yeah. But- <laughs> yes, it does. She was just in a lot of them, right? Back to back to back to back. Yeah, like the first four
1: or whatever were in the first half of season four, and then it's just the one and wonderful after that. So,
0: well, and she was in a lot of those episodes. Like mm-hmm. she had a lot of scenes. So, so it just felt like an abundance. But yeah. So yeah, that
1: you know, Kurt comes back in and and lets her willingly, you know, take him into her arms, and it is a very motherly moment, and. You know, she knows. She knew. She didn't have to ask Kurt. That's. I think that's the other thing that makes this relationship really special to me because she didn't have to ask Kurt. That she knows there's something going on. And most people mm-hmm. kind of just ignore when he's not talking about it and he pulls up, pulls up, yeah, yeah. not re- like Rachel's not noticing. Of course, Rachel's very, self-indul- very young.
0: self-involved.
1: Very yes, she notices, and I think she's the only one really noticing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and all the other, they're all still clearly having a party in the background, so. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, That's Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny, because it, it's funny to me that both Thanksgiving and Swan Song, they don't have a whole lot of Kurt in them, but there's some very big emotional things that go on in these two episodes, which is why yeah. I wanted to do them together.
0: Well, <laughs> and a lot of season four was like that with Kurt, even the episodes that didn't have a lot of Kurt in them. They they were all these very big emotional moments. Yeah.
1: There were. So the next one is Swan Song. And as I like to joke, the only Glee would in the middle of its middle season call an episode Swan Song. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> Of course they would. But yep. I love that well it's clearly the same night. Yeah. So, everybody's just...
1: The next day or something, or the next evening. Because I'm sure they slept all day after well, Thanksgiving. Of well, the thing is, um,
2: I, I think it's interesting in the context of this, because uh, this I think this is the first episode for, that I can recall that it picks up right where the first one, the, the last one left off, because I guess the last one is that you see, in Thanksgiving, you see Marley collapsing from uh-huh. such, you know... And then the opening scene of Swan Song is when they're always trying to, you know, uh, the aftermath, the immediate aftermath trying to, you know, attend to Marley and things. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I don't think well, that we've seen that before, I think. I don't I don't know if we have or not, but it, it usually yeah, it's not like right after. Yeah. And um well, so can we talk about what Kurt's wearing for a minute though in that scene? Yeah, I was gonna say first of all that the I think
1: the only time they do this again is understandably in the Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker has um, yeah, literally, but that isn't. I mean, that's the Hurt Locker part. 1 to do? I'll have to watch. There were a couple of other times that it's close though, but um, yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, we open up Swan Song with Kurt in one of my favorite I mean outfits ever. Just a damn kid. You look pretty good in this thing. The hoodie. My shallow uh-huh. moment of the
0: episode. <laughs> See, and, and, and the thing about season four is is that Kurt suddenly discovers trendy yet casual clothes. Yes. Well, yeah. and I, you know what?
1: Here's an interesting thing. I mentioned in the breakup um, that Kurt's going to be wearing black for a long time. And I think this is the first time I will have to go back and double check 100%. I think this is the first time he wears a collar that is not black. And
0: I think you're right. Makes yeah, sense I think so.
1: because he just had that conversation with Blaine. So he's
0: not in mourning any longer. He's not yeah. in mourning any
1: longer, um, which ties into all of our being alive stuff that we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Well,
0: mm-hmm. and, and the other thing that the first thing he says when he's handing Rachel glasses is like Blaine just called. You'll never guess what just happened. Yeah. So, Blaine called him and told him what happened at Sectionals. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if because Blaine
1: gets off the phone right off the bat, like after Chris, after Chris. Oh my God, I need sleep. Uh, after Chris <laughs> says, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I love you. Blaine hangs up because you know, okay, that's enough. We can handle for that conversation. But it doesn't mean that they haven't had more conversation. This is why I think this is like a day later or so. 'Cause I'm wondering, you know, they have sectionals and maybe they texted each other too, like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, call me after sectionals is over or something. And this is the start of them recommunicating, um, or reconnecting through you know. We we unfortunately don't get a lot of it, but after this we will see on Blaine's side that he's gonna put his pictures of Kurt back up in his locker. So
0: Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> Happy clean sigh. <side. laughs> yeah. Um, and, and maybe this, maybe this is, is a, you know, know I, think I think it's really interesting because this is, is this is a turning, turning point for like, like you know fandom, fandom too. too. That, that phone, phone call. Yeah, would, yeah, yes, yeah. They're back. we could be happy they are talking, yeah. and, and so not, not only, only is occurred out of the morning, but, but uh, you know, Clean was kind of coming, coming out of the morning, too. Yeah, yeah. And
2: there, there is a,
1: yeah. Sense a sense of hope, hope again. again, like, like there's, there's, there's this tiny sliver, sliver that we could can still. It was a very, very
0: late time period, it mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. We were turning a corner. Um, yeah. Granted, it's going to be a long, bumpy road to season five, but... Yeah.
0: But this was the point where we realized that they were going to start working them back together. And so it wasn't a matter of if, but just when.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that was always on the table, too. I mean, I think just the openness, like, them, their breakup, comparatively to Britanna and to Finchel, was yeah. much more open. There was a lot more room for this is not over, um, whereas so. Britannia's door was firmly shut. Finchel's oh. door was like, we're gonna close this for now. But Clane's yeah. was not at all in that realm. Yeah,
2: and I think like, it's interesting looking back on it because we we have the context now, and you know we know what happens. But I think. What I, I remember about that, that time is that it, it just seemed to stretch on forever. I mean, because, because it we, did. Were like, yeah, we were living, it, you know, in the
0: moment, and it just like, you know, well, we didn't have... Yeah. The, the thing about with the breakup is that I th- I want to say, like, right after it happened, I can't remember what episode they took their, like, month-long break after. Oh, yeah, the they always do a month-long yeah. long break in the fall because... Uh, usually because, yeah, Fox gets the World Series, so yeah. there's always, like, three, four weeks, depending on how long it goes, where they're not on. So, like, they broke up, and then we had nothing for a month or whatever, yeah. and then they come back, and we get episodes like uh, The Role You Were Born to Play and yeah. Glee and what have you, and they're at each other's throats, or they're not talking, or... Mm-hmm like there was all this gut-wrenching angst going on yeah. and and so we f- it felt like we lived in it so much longer than we really did because yeah. of that long break so yeah. for this episode you know episode 8 and then episode 9 for them to make that reconnection was mm-hmm. just like this weight got lifted off of exactly of not only the characters but f- us as a fandom absolutely yeah. Yeah.
1: like
0: we could breathe a huge sigh of relief <laughs>
1: Yeah, the worst was over. Mm-hmm. Well, which is funny because we're still gonna have Adam and Blaine's crush on Sam oh, and yeah. all the jazz. But I mean, it gets to be more. fun. I think it's more
0: fun. But um, it, it it became it, you're, You know, you're right. It's less serious. Like we never yeah. took any of that seriously. Sir, I mean, we didn't take Sam seriously because I think by <laughs> now we they were never gonna go there. Yeah. But none of us, not a single one of us, health, Not even the writers. Took Adam seriously.
1: No, much um, <laughs> yeah. just the dismay of a few actual, you know, cart
0: fans that don't
1: like Blaine, but
0: we won't talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, I mean, Adam's later podcast stuff. I don't hate him though. I think he would. No, I know he was just never going to be Blaine. Oh yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. So the thing though that, and like I said, I think I'll talk a little bit more about this point when we talk about being you know, alive. Is that when I sit back and I watch all of these episodes in a row now, which is a lot easier to do when it's on your DVD and you can just push next. Oh yeah, and it's a little mm-hmm. more satisfying. But this is the, the this episode for Kurt. He does have an arc in in season four, and this mm-hmm. is I mean this is the end of the first half of that arc, and um, it does get a little muddled and messy and non-existent in the second half, but the first half it's really really good, and I can see all of the steps that they took to this point. So it's kind of funny because everybody, and, and myself included, and understandably, complain about Black Kurt in the season four. But there is still an arc there. It's just yeah. the, it's just tiny bits and pieces of it.
0: Yeah, his his arc was very. I feel like his arc was very carefully written. It, mm-hmm. it was until like, like as much as the show itself seemed like a mess. His and and his always kind of is. And, and, you know, because I think Ryan does favor his character, uh, is that, you know, what little we got of him was specifically written exactly for his ongoing storyline. And yeah. I, I think,
1: and we'll talk about this way more when we get to the, that part. Of this part of season four. I think the reason that it deetered a little bit is the stuff that, you know, Corey having to go to rehab and then stretching the timeline. Oh, yeah, when it gets messy and we, we lose that focus on Kurt. Yeah. Um, but here, it's still pretty strong, and there's still, this is, like, a, a climax part of mm-hmm. the first half of the story. So, we have Kurt in the scene, um, he's talking about Niata and he, um, wisely says, Oh, wait, before I get into this, I have to say, this is, I have, there's this Rachel line, and I, this is just not nice, but she says, do you think I should call Finn about the loss of sexualists? No, why... Why, you know, talk to him about one lot? why bring him down from, I don't remember the line, but what it implies is that I wouldn't, I, I'm messing this up, I'm sorry.
0: You're basically saying that by calling him, she's rubbing both losses in his face? Yes. The loss of her and the loss of sectionals in his face, and
1: it's just really rude, actually.
0: So, which I think is weird, because. (laughs)
2: Which I think is odd because you know, considering that they had this conversation later between the two of them after she does her audition or showcase
1: thing, which it kind of flies in the face of that. I think it does. I, the, it's funny to me because I think that the Finchel arc is a bigger, uh, I, no, let me put it this right. I think that the Klein arc is a smaller version of what they were trying to do with the the Finchel arc because. Finn and Rachel are now going to connect on the phone But what like Finn and Rachel do It's less emotional and more For their individual stories It isn't necessarily about any kind of Reconciliation in their relationship It's more about yeah. um, Where they are in their each other's In, in their lives And Finn yeah. and Rachel are the ones who Make more sense to me as, as Good friends who are helping each other out mm-hmm. um, Who were past lovers So
2: Especially after their conversation at Toward the end, so... But, yeah, we can touch upon that later, so...
1: Sorry, I, I totally went on a detour there. Um, so, yeah, okay. Chris talking about Nyata. And um, one thing that he wisely says um, that I don't think Rachel really got, because she kept going, is that if he doesn't get in this time to Nyata, he's not gonna... He, no more. He's gonna do something else. Because... I, I think that yes You should keep trying and giving it your all But you should also know when to Say okay well I can't keep wasting my time doing this mm. I need to go forward with my life In another direction mm.
0: If it's not happening It's obviously not meant for me Yeah And and I mean you could apply to
1: NYU Or another college I mean You know I, I think it's interesting because I
2: remember It Thinking at that point, I mean this point, because there was always, uh, there was always talk among fandom when we were thinking about whether he would go into the fashion direction totally, or just, uh, you know, go with that, you know, the fashion and then, you know, the, Niada or musical theater side by side and there was a portion of people that were thinking yeah okay this is the point where he's just going to go totally off into direction with uh with um with a uh, not that he is a good mentor with Isabel and everything so i think i think some some, some people were or, or some a section of fandom was waiting for that part and they didn't they thought like that part could have been more explored but um I just remember part of fandom were talking about that during this episode afterward. Like, he was at
1: a crossroads and trying to figure out which kind of direction to go in. Right. I don't think the show would have ever done it. The show is so bent on uh, performance and succeeding in the performing arts as being the ultimate goal that it, it kind of... You know, I'm going to be honest with you I think it, it, it held some stories back I think their just fixation on performing Kind of held back some of these stories I think there would have been a really interesting story About Kurt exploring Exploring, you know Fashion or another, you know
0: Venue um, Well, sadly they had to meet that Five to eight song per episode Quota <laughs> Yeah <laughs> 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 so <laughs> we were never getting away from that no oh, I, know, I know i know
1: so okay so um the other thing in this scene is that he starts talking about Niata again and he he gives the exposition on Niata. like he always gives the exposition on nyada
0: why does rachel know nothing about the school that she stopped <laughs> into i don't know because she's too wrapped up in herself and brody and feuding with her dance teacher. <laughs> yeah, does she take any other classes? Come on. <laughs> I don't know. There's that one that once um, once Kurt starts going there, they're in another class together. And I'm damned if I know what class it's supposed to be. <laughs> oh, she, I mean, he takes, um, he'll take uh,
1: acting class at one point, which makes way more sense than whatever Rachel is doing. But... Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but also they talk about the winter showcase. I I think, you know, this is a little bit of the remnants of season three stuff, which Kitty will be like, no, not again. <laughs> you heard me complain so much about it in season three. But this is just, uh, Rachel has not sung any solos really up until this episode, and ever uh, since the beginning of the season, which is fine.
0: There's no reason they can't she show- had a Britney number,
1: right. And and something in when episode
0: we, one where where proved how good they really are at teaching students to move furniture. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If I ever need movers, I'm going to call them. They can come move my house. I will not uh-huh. have them tune my pianos though. Um, no. <laughs> that is a
1: story for a way later
0: date. That's a season five joke. <laughs> yep.
1: So I get that they wanted to take a moment and really, you know, uh, showcase and Michelle again. Totally understand. She's the, the, you know, she is the main character.
0: And they gave her a good song. I don't hate that. I don't hate this. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But my thing is, you know, Kurt's talking about Winter Showcase and, you know, the best moment in these young performers' lives are when they get their letter from Carmen. I'm like, oh my god. Really? (laughs) It's so ridiculous. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah. And Rachel, like, It's like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get one. And, you know, and she is so – her arrogance drives me crazy. I'm just not going to get one, you know. I mean, even though I deserve one, I'm just not going to get it. I'm like, really? Five kids out of the thousands of kids that go there. And your chances are pretty slim, so you should just keep working on what you're working on. But, no, you're going to sit there and not be happy about – Not getting one. Not getting one. Okay, so before I go way too off on, you know, not being nice to Rachel, let's probably move on.
0: (laughs) So – well, really, all that is, is her, I'm not going to get one, I'm not going to get one, so they can lead up into, oh my god, I got one! Yeah. I, I just, I don't like, the, I don't think
1: that Rachel didn't deserve to get one. I just don't like the framing of it. Like, if they would have just said, yeah. hey, this is a thing that's happening, and she just let yeah. her be surprised by getting one, that would have yeah. been totally fine. But the, they made such a big ordeal out of it. It was just a little like, come on, guys, this is season three stuff.
2: Yeah, and that's why that that kind of echoed back into her McKinley the stuff the, or the at all application thing. Yeah, at that.
1: To be fair, they do this good. for to her for the entire series, but season three is just when it's really the bad part of it. So Kurt goes to talk to Carmen Thibodeau. Who wants to see
0: Kurt's audition or he's singing? <laughs> like, I want. You, yeah, you, you you go go. Why is this not something that, that they that they filmed? How is this something that does not exist? I need this. Uh-huh.
1: Kurt singing an acoustic version of "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go."
0: I'm just now, trying to picture this in my head. Did he do that because Blaine loves secretly loves Wham? <laughs> I mean he would know what
1: what I think sure he would <laughs> know what Blaine's guilty pleasures are. I'm sure he knows about the Wham. Uh,
0: oh yeah. See now I'm envisioning them like driving somewhere and rocking out to a Wham CD. Uh me too. Me too. Uh,
1: I don't know. Is it canon that Blaine plays the guitar? I mean I know he does in, in one episode where it's very much Darrenish, but I
0: I think we took that as canon, but I don't know that it's, like, a thing. Like, he, I think it's just assumed that he plays multiple musical instruments just like Darren does, but I don't don't think it's ever, like, a thing. He mostly just plays the piano.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I can see, he can still play, I can see Blaine screwing around on his piano at home, and Kurt singing the song, and they do, like, a slowed-down version of it. Which is mm-hmm. ridiculous, because the song Slow Down would be ridiculous, but... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm picturing it. What, what makes that seem like, you know, at least with Not the Boy Next Door, there's some thought behind it, but it seems kind of funny that he would do this tape of that and send it to her. Because um, mm-hmm. that it seems a little ridiculous, even for him, but, you know.
0: Out of all the songs he could have picked, that that's yeah. the one he picked. So what she, and maybe it's also,
1: maybe him saying that is also to make this point a little bit more resonant, because I remember a lot of people being really frustrated by what he says to her. And basically what he says is that, you know, you were good, you know, you did a great job, you're a great performer, but you lacked any kind of, like, deeper emotional connection to this the song. And it, I said, what, it, Carmen wrongly equates the lack of props and glitter and... Show- showiness as an automatic is automatically not sh- so cool. There's more than one way to show what is inside you. So, this pl- uh, playing stripped down music does not necessarily mean that it is more emotional.
0: I think the reason why so many people object to that is because not the boy next door was. I mean, yeah, it's an upbeat number, but he was definitely soul-bearing there. Yeah, he was. And he was so... going to do
2: Phantom before. He was going to do Fana before, right?
0: The Phantom, yeah, uh, uh-huh. yeah, the
2: music of the night. Yeah, that one. So he switched last minute.
0: And, I mean, he really went for that. He put himself out there. Yeah, and and so when she didn't let him in after that performance, which to him was. Was very much making himself vulnerable. Well, then he went in the complete opposite direction. Right, exactly. Well, and that's the thing.
1: Like, as a mini, this is kind of a relevant mini rant aside. It's it's a problem with Lee's writing and the way. You know, if you go to a performance arts school, you're gonna have you're not you're gonna have an audition, but you're not gonna sing one song. You're gonna sing something that showcases the variety of what you can do. So one thing might be, and boy, not. Not the boy next door coupled with It being alive that would be your audition Um, So you could show that you are Multifaceted you're not going to just do One thing to get into these colleges And I think that's again uh, you know I get where they're going for the story I I, and I think that obviously It's done for the dramatic effect but I Think that Glee is such a bad Record with how they deal with college that It does stick out that you know her Telling him
0: you know Some schools make you do a you do like a multi audition process. Yeah, so you You do. Might audition yeah. once for for a recruiter, and then you'll audition again for like a panel, and then you know. I mean, I don't. You know, it varies by school, but he, he could have auditioned more than once for somebody in theory. Well, in the in this, uh, well, like you
2: said. Uh, and this part probably refers to another episode, way in the front. But I was just thinking that the thing—I know we're talking about Kurt here, but I was thinking when the, in future episode when uh, Blaine and Rachel do their duet stuff, you know, in front oh, of Carmen. So the Broadway
0: episode. Yeah, the Broadway episode. The Sondheim she, episode. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then they. Fl- yeah, and then you know, you know, they. know, she flunks him. You know, she flunks <laughs> you know, she she both. Yes. Yeah. And then and then she said come back and do something else, which then Blaine does the, um, Blaine goes back and does something real oh I have a I can't remember the song.
1: I don't remember. Um, not while I'm um, around. Not while I'm around, yes. Oh
0: yeah, not while i yeah, it yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent angst ridden and he did it a cappella. Yeah. To
1: be fair though, her assignment and I understand this, her assignment was to do a solo and they yeah. did a duet. So, I mean, I think that, that, was that was her biggest, biggest issue. That, that's yeah. all would
0: have been fine if they, they had surprised, surprised her with doing that. That's yeah. true.
1: Okay. But but in general, no, I mean, I don't really think Carmen Thibodeau is that. I, I love Whoopi Goldberg. I adore yeah. Whoopi Goldberg. I think she's so amazing. Why they gave her the stupid ass character, I don't know. <laughs> 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 She's one way, she's the other But but the other thing is, look at Rachel Okay, We talked about this a lot in season 3 She always gets these really over-emotional You know, solos oh, And they lack soul They lack kind of, you know, heavy Emotional weight, because there's no context And she keeps sing- singing the same thing So, like, she doesn't show That she's multifaceted, it shows that she can do One thing over and over again And I, I, it's another flaw Not necessarily with, you know necessarily with carmen but with the writing in general i'm like it just doesn't hold the weight that it, the show wants us to because i just don't buy it so so but anyway curtis told this the thing though kurt's told this he's obviously devastated i have to wonder do you think carmen was always planning to make him sing at the winter showcase or do you think that was a spur of the moment
0: thing i kind of feel like it was a spur of for the moment thing. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, she had no guarantee he was even going to show up. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So I think when she saw that he was there and that, you know, she saw... I, I don't know. I feel like she just saw a moment to really give him a, a second to she shine a and show what he was made of. Yeah. And she took it.
1: Yeah. The other thing before we leave this particular um, scene is that, you know... Kurt Kurt's struggling, he meanie. He he's just gone through a really traumatic breakup. And even though he and Blaine are, you know, coming back together again, it's just been a hard time for him. And mm-hmm. his struggles, I think, make his character and make his arc way more interesting than what they're trying to do with Rachel. I just think, you know, I will argue that this all the struggle that Kurt has to go through for him has to go through makes him a far more interesting character than Rachel who has always handled handed the glittery envelope. That's just my two cents on that.
0: I mean, I think that, in a sense, their storylines have always sort of paralleled each other in that they writing always hands Rachel everything even even when it's taking it away, it's still handing it to her mm-hmm. and whereas Kurt on the on the parallel you know the flip side of that, he's sort of the opposite, where he has to fight for every single thing and he doesn't always get it mm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's really good storytelling or not because I it makes me angry a lot of the time, but I think that that's very on purpose. Yeah, I think it is too because they're 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 showc- I mean they're they
2: they're attempting to say that there there are all kinds of different people out there, people that will constantly you know work toward and struggle and everything. And there's there's some people out there, yeah, yeah, they're talent. Their, their talent is such that they get hit at stuff, you know, more easily, you know, easier and stuff. So I think
0: they... Whether doing, they deserve it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there are people out there
2: that do that. So I, mean, I think in, in one respect that they're trying to, like, showcase different... Not showcase, but put a spotlight on different characters and how... Oh, shoot, I can't see it in a good way, but... They're just trying to highlight how how there are different paths
1: to go to the same point, I guess. Yeah. 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 You're making sense, Connie. Uh, One nice thing as we go on, the more... (sighs) I will say that after this, I think that once we get out of this section of season four, um, there is some parallel still with Finchel and Klain in the second half, but it's not as prominent. Um, and then after I do, and after Girls and Boys on film, when the show really starts to split, or slows down with because Corey went to rehab and whatnot, Claim gets its own storyline again. Kurt and Blaine get their own storylines again. And it's not and connected to and Rachel.
0: Unfortunately, and- it's, I feel like it's completely unintentional.
1: Yeah. It
0: is. Um, um, it's a
1: byproduct of what's going on. It's a, it's the a
0: byproduct of behind-the-scenes stuff. And, in fact, throughout the rest of the show... For- from that point on, their yeah. entire relationship is a byproduct of what happened. Right. Yeah.
1: And as always, I think, you know, I've said this plenty of times, and I hope that listeners understand obviously, we would prefer the tragedy of never happened. You know, yeah, yeah. of course. We yeah, all love Corey. Of course. We yeah, liked Finn. But I'm not going to say that I don't like where the show went after all of this started happening. I do. I, I do. My, my favorite characters got a lot more focus.
0: It just happened because of some really horrible stuff, right. and like this, and and especially, I mean, as far as Finn goes, his character. This is my favorite Finn. I love this yeah. Finn. Where yeah. Where has this Finn been? I mean, he was so much more resonant of season one oh. Finn in yeah. season four that I just, uh, I just fell in love with him all over again. Yeah. And I would have loved to see where they have taken that. I mean, I would have loved to see that storyline. Teacher story Finn line. would yeah. have been absolutely amazing. And uh-huh. I, I really feel like that would have been one more link for, for Kurt and Rachel. Yeah. If, if Finn's leading the Glee Club, then then they have one more tie back to McKinley. Because, yeah. you know, as much as they love Mr. She do yeah, and, Finn is family. Love-
2: yes. Go
0: ahead.
2: Sorry. Oh no, go ahead, Connie. Sorry. I will say that you know the tragedy of this happening. I mean, I will, I do give the show credit for attempting to like regroup and try to carry whatever storyline forward. Because there are some shows who who suffer this tragedy. You know, there are a few shows who you know that has tragedy happen often to their main character, and they completely disintegrate after that. And they don't know how to how to pick up. So I give the writers and Ryan Murphy and people the you know, the credit to say no, let's try to make something with what horrible circumstance it is and try to move forward and just try to bring it to conclusion. So I do, do give them credit for doing that. So yeah.
1: So one thing that makes these particular episodes more enjoyable on me to watch because there's been a lot like Season four, for a long time, was a season that I was just like, nah, I don't want to go back and watch that.
0: Mm-hmm. I physically cannot rewatch specific episodes in season four, so
1: yeah. I have now watched the breakup eight thousand times, and I'm kind of numb to it. <laughs> I was just going to
0: say, are you completely desensitized now? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm like,
1: let's talk about the breakup. I can do this all day.
0: Yeah, I've there. I can count the number of episodes I've ever seen. Once, on one hand, and The Breakup is one of them.
1: Oh, what are the rest of them now? You have-
0: um, Comeback. From season oh, yeah. two. I've only ever watched that the once. Uh, the Quarterback. I've only ever watched that the once. Um, Night of Neglect. I think I've only watched the whole thing like once. Maybe twice.
1: Time um, <laughs> Star,
0: maybe? Would you believe... Actually, I'm going to have to retract that entire statement because aside from uh, The Wedding and The Hurt Locker, I think I've only watched all of season six once.
1: So, I'm going to make you and Arby watch them both. Arby has told me she was going to watch all of season four, so I'm going to make uh-huh. you watch all of season six again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to because yeah. aside from, like, the clean stuff, I really just don't remember. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. I think, you'll, I think you'll be surprised about you might
2: get a different perspective now after... Now, now yeah, a over part everything. of me
0: is like wondering like if I'll change my opinion on season four if I actually watched... Uh, like binged it. And, you yeah. might,
1: and maybe that's me. Well, what I was going to say originally was that one of the things I don't mind coming back to this section of season four is that Kurt... Kurt, God. Finn's storyline is actually really well done. And I think... Yeah. Um. I. it makes me really sad because it had to be stopped so roughly but yeah. um, his story is really really good it had
0: such great
1: potential for his yeah. character it did
0: I mean, it like really he was did. really coming into himself and finding this his place in life where he's always just never wondered you know now that we've turned into the Finn podcast <laughs> yeah. and I, well, like, I just we're about to really get because... to break hurt stuff so yeah and yes. I think but uh, I just love that. He was sort of coming into himself and and I think that his, in a way, I mean, isn't that really what season four was for a lot of the characters? Yeah, Finn is finding himself. Mm. Kurt was figuring himself out. Blaine was trying to find himself. Sam was sort of figuring himself out. I mean, there was a lot of self-discovery going on along. Mm. You know, I mean, so for that, I felt like they really did a good job with those storylines, figuring out this is what they wanted. This is what they're going to go for. This is the thing they're good at.
1: I think it's the show basically trying to figure itself out. And that's why I think season four as a whole is far more enjoyable than season three as a whole. Mm -hmm. That's just my personal
0: opinion. I know people would agree, but whatever. See that just makes me want to go back, and and now I feel like maybe I should rewatch it and see if I change my opinion because I mean, you know, there and the 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 problem with season four is that it suffers from the same thing that every other teen drama based show suffers from is that usually when you hit season four, your characters have to graduate high school and go to college. Mm. And that's where the show always falls apart. Yeah, You're changing it, the original premise, which is always yes. going to do this. And, and even shows that don't subject themselves to that. And like off the top of my head, if you guys have ever watched Angel, which was the Buffy spinoff, their uh-huh. season four was terrible. Yeah. But I mean, they were never based in high school, but they did some stuff in season four. It's like, Why? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. And and you know And so it just sort of seems to be This thing where the fourth season Is always the season where something Happens and shows have to Reconfigure themselves And it's usually the, the middle season Somewhere if you're not ending your show by season Six it's usually seasons four or five
1: Or six where things change and it's always uh, Awkward and I mean You can have some really great shows do well,
0: <laughs> But some shows just do not That that seems to always be the season where you have to find your foot again, and I think that they struggled a little bit, but they did eventually figure it out. Yeah, I think good long-running shows um, shelf lives
1: are usually between
0: six and eight years. Yeah, I don't know. Season four is the bad luck season for every show.
1: I'm trying to feel not. I mean, Lost actually, their season four was really good. So was that's. It?
0: Yeah. I still maintain we should just like do a Lost podcast where we I've never seen it. You've never, I've seen, never it? seen it? You've never I've seen never Lost? Se- I've, seen, I've seen about the first 15 minutes of the pilot. Oh, no. Okay. Well, do you like sci-fi shows? I mean, I like some, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, this is like a sci-fi I mean, I drama. The-
1: it's not like totally like yeah. space stuff. I
0: watched stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like I watched The Walking Dead now. I got hooked on that. And then I watch, uh, I mean, hell, I watched Alias, and that show had some serious sci-fi Well, I mean, stuff if you have, like, Alias,
1: it. then it's J.J. Abrams is the same thing.
0: I know it is. So, season four. Season four. Growing okay. pains.
1: So, um, actually, winner Showcase. So, talking about the winner Showcase, jumping back into this, we have the first part of it where um, it's Rachel doing her part of the showcase. And the only thing I really want to pick out of this is that she's talking to Brody, and Kurt's, like, Well, sorry to interrupt this part of the rom-com, but, you know, you need to get yourself out on stage.
0: Mm -hmm. That was so good. Yeah. And can I I just say that I loved that they chose, I cannot remember where this theater is. It's like a Disney, the Disney theater, Disney something or another. Oh, this room that they're in. Yeah, the concert hall. The busy concert yeah. well, that's what it is it's so gorgeous yeah. in there and mm-hmm. just the way like the whole scene the way it's lit the way like the music the way everything is done in this scene like you know yeah. let yeah. rachel have that power ballad yeah. man i am feeling it you know what's funny
1: mm-hmm. i think as everybody on the podcast knows i'm not the biggest rachel fan because of the you know and there are, there are quirks of Leah and Michelle's voice that sometimes bother me. But these two songs, she does very well. I think these are two really, well, really good second songs.
0: The song is, is from the Season 2 Glee Christmas album. Is it? I thought it was just for this one. I didn't know they did it in season two. Nope. She did not record that song for this episode. They already had it from this. It's um, one of the songs that she does on the, the season two Christmas album. They just wanted her yep. to sing a second song. Instead of having her record another song, they just took a recording they already had and, and did it. Oh. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, that song had already been out for like a year. And can I just talk about how that's her favorite Christmas song while she's being Jewish? That is
1: funny. <laughs> she sings "Oh Holy Night," which is about Jesus being yeah. born. Yep,
0: <laughs> while um, being Jewish. I don't
1: think. <laughs> yeah, you know we need to I write don't. "being Jewish" right up there with college applications. I <laughs> <laughs> and vegetarianism. And, and being a
0: vegetarian.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean. <laughs> I don't know. At what point, you know. I will say, though, it, going back really quick to the phone call in, in Thanksgiving, when Kurt said that when he comes home, they can go ice skating on the Oglaze River. Mm-hmm. Somebody looked mm-hmm. that up. Because the Ogles River is is right there by Lima. Now, why would they do that and not figure things out about college admissions? That doesn't make sense to me. But good for them. Mm. So one time they were correct about the Ohio geography. That's really funny. Mm. Somebody googled that. Somebody bothered to look that up. Can't be bothered to look anything else up. Oh yeah, but man, we fucked that obscure <laughs> river name right there off. They, off they the can't internet. seem to be bothered to
1: notice that it's a thousand miles between Lima and New York. But you know. <laughs>
0: Whatever. Whatever. No, you just... can't actually take a train there from here. No,
1: you can't. I mean, you can, but it'd be above ground. <laughs> yeah. But it's like—I mean, I've driven before. It's six to seven hours if you drive really fast. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Jeez. Whatever. Anyway. Anyway, we're getting so, way off topic. There's one question I wanted to ask. This.
2: There's one question I wanted to ask you both about after Carmen, you know, asks about you know, the, sets up you know Kurt having this uh, this audition slash solo for the winners showcase. Um, that talk between Kurt and Rachel, you know, outside when he, you know he's all nervous and she's trying to give him like a little pep talk. So mm-hmm. i just curious what you. What do you both thought
1: about that conversation? Oh, the stuff with Rachel outside of... Um, after Carmen... Yeah, when, he,
0: when she says he's going to audition and, and gives him a minute to go get himself together and they're in the hallway and he's flipping out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted to... I'm just curious what you thought about that. Sure. Um, well, first of all,
1: I do need to note, mention that during Rachel's song, um, Kurt's like blissfully like, Oh, she's so lovely. And Carmen keeps shooting him looks. So... Apparently she probably doesn't. doesn't.
0: He like get a little emotional while she's singing. Yes. Yeah, I think. And I feel like see, I feel like she's looking at him, and she sees how emotional he's gotten just by listening to her sing, (laughs) and like maybe this is the perfect moment to draw that really that vulnerability, that emotionalness out of him for a performance. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Point. I didn't. I didn't connect that, but yeah, definitely that makes sense. I think this is one of the few times Rachel is actually being a pretty good friend to Kurt. Kurt's out there; he's freaking out. Rachel, she's kind of she's done mm-hmm. her thing. She's on this high, and she's like, you know, she's already. Kurt can you know come join me and all this stuff, and she's kind of, you know, she's very she's always on his side, and despite the fact that she drives me crazy sometimes. She, I do think she always has Kurt's best interests in mind, and you know, he's freaking
0: out. He's or like, what well, she thinks. Are Kurt's best interests? That's whether a good or not clarification. Kurt would agree if they're in mm-hmm. his best interests.
1: No, I, that's a good clarification. But I mm-hmm. think in this point, he starts naming off all of these numbers that are showy or they're too not They're just not appropriate. Or and and Rachel tells him, "Look, you know, one of my favorite performances of yours was, um, you know, I want to hold your hand when he sang it for
0: his dad. I, I loved." That she said that because that was one of the worst moments of his life. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the episode where they really started to get close and become good friends. Right. And so, and
1: there was also a moment where he was being. Well, right after that, I guess. Right. Um, It was also that in Mm -hmm. Grilled Cheeses, that was one of the few moments that he was being very publicly, emotionally honest about what was going on in his life and she the fact that she mm-hmm. recognizes that is is pretty amazing so good for her but she yeah. says you know that is you know what i can do and so then he's like well yeah. you know what if i do something like being alive and she Which says it yeah.
0: cracks me up because it's on the list of songs that carmen said she never wants you know but i think i hear at auditions i think they did that on purpose i mean i think mostly they were
1: just i think I'm they did too pretty sure chris is the yeah. one that picked the song And so they put that line in there to acknowledge the fact that Carmen had said that. But I think it works. And the reason why is that he's going to go back in there with a song that she is driven nuts by and kill it. And really show he is. And I think that says... So I think that is actually a nice move. Um, Normally, if you're going to audition and, you know, the performer or the the auditioner... you already
0: know it's a song she can't stand. Why are you
1: going to do it? Don't do it. But in this instance... I yep. think it really, really works for, for in his favor almost because now you know he's putting it all in line. I'm going to take something that you are just used to hearing people saying mediocrely.
0: I just made a bowl, or whatever,
1: and um, yeah. I'm going to kill it.
0: <laughs> so you made it out of yeah. you made it out of an I mean, adjective. That's okay.
1: That's, I, I don't, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just so bad with words. I'm going to be a writer someday, guys. Same. You
2: know that the point they come. <laughs> the co- the point of the conversation that really stood out to me was when he said well, after she says that she says well, I would be I did that because my dad was in the hospital and I was dedicating it to him and everything and so I, who do I dedicate it to and then when she says yourself I mean that was uh that was that stood up. Mm-hmm. That was
0: my- the moment Th- that right. is probably one of the best pieces of advice that's right. ever come out of her mouth about anything exactly and it it's a i mean god love rachel for what she is because i don't hate her i don't always like her but i don't hate her Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. she's not always that in tune with what other people are feeling and in that moment she and kurt really connected and i think she was really listening to him For the first time mm-hmm. in a really long time, she was really listening, and exactly. they really reached a point in that conversation where, you know, and 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 yet this advice is also perfectly in tune with her. Let's be independent. Let's be grown ups. Let's cut all ties. You know, do it for yourself. Yeah, which is is interesting. Yeah, um, um, yeah. Well, and it added yeah. on
1: to that. I mean, Kurt's always been a relatively independent character, but to, you know, the whole point is that he looks within, within himself and feels all of these emotions, mm-hmm. and this is going to be, yeah. you know, your triumphant moment. You do this for you because you can, and you do this to express how yeah, yeah. you feel about things. And and we'll get into it in a second, but being alive and company this, I mean, yes, it is a, a big part of this song is about blame, but it is about himself, and it is about... The entire story that
0: he's been given it's up about to this point. How he—it's—it's—it's f- it's, it's about Blaine, but it's not about Blaine specifically. It's about he feels about yeah. Blaine and his dad and and yeah. his life. It's Kurt yeah. finally emoting about something where you know we spent all season because I remember people going, but I don't know how he feels about this. And this is the scene where we get that.
2: Yeah. No. No. Kurt doesn't yeah, have,
1: it does. I don't believe he has any solos. up. I mean, Kurt, this is now we're into, Kurt doesn't really sing much anymore. But this is his one big solo of season four. I don't really count Bring Him Home. Um, that's just a different thing we'll talk about when we get there. And later on in Wonderful, um, the one for his dad is for his dad. But this is Kurt's big solo for himself in this season, mm. so... Connie, did we kind of did you have a question about that scene, or did we answer your your question? Okay, or about the Rachel stuff? No, no, stuff? you you, you okay. answered
2: my question. Yeah, you answered my question. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I, I do agree. I thought that that was the one point where they really connected, and that you know they they saw eye to eye on things, and that Rachel really gave um her some great advice, which I think laid really the groundwork for him going out. Yeah. Yeah. I just
0: it's a moment where I remember why they're friends.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, talking about being alive and I have quite a few notes, I'm sure you guys do too. Um, I wanna kick this off with Hi, I'm Kurt Hummel and I'll be auditioning for the role of Niad student, which is a really funny line to me anyway.
0: Well, and it's it's a line that's consistent with his character because, you know, okay. hi, I'm Kurt Hummel and I'm gonna be auditioning for the role of kicker. you know and he said it a couple of other times but it's it's basically something he goes back to when he's feeling kind of awkward um he is nervous um i he plays with his
1: hands it's kind of a curt trait to play with his hands when he gets super nervous and and it's something that chris has been really um he was really good about being consistent about because um he just sits there and he fidgets and um
0: yeah well and and w- with Chris, he said, unfortunately, he was so good at some of Kurt's mannerisms that he's kind of adopted
1: them. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know if that's so, necessarily true anymore, but, you know. <laughs> it was for a while. Yeah, there, it was, yeah. I was just thinking, I just saw him last Tuesday, but um, I don't think he was, he, he's definitely fidgety. He's definitely, like, moving around a lot, um, but he doesn't necessarily play with his hands. Or at least I didn't notice that. Being Alive. And if, for people that don't know, Being Alive is from the music com- musical company. And in it, um, the song is sung by a, an older gentleman who has led a factual life for most of his life and he hasn't really done anything, um, hasn't really pushed himself to live outside of his shell. And he finally comes to the realization that he wants to start living his life to the fullest. And he sings mm-hmm. the song um, as a way to express that you know, he wants somebody in his life and he wants somebody to help push him to be a better person to, to not necessarily be a better person, but to be a more adventurous, to take risks, to go outside of his shell, to mm-hmm. make him feel alive. And I I think this song yeah. is so perfect for Kurt and for this moment in his life because, you know, post breakup he was kind of, you know, and, and really you can go back to goodbye, post that rejection letter. At the end of season three He's been in this kind yeah. of shell Where he has not been living He's been going through motions And he has been You know had setbacks And he's been trying but he's been struggling
0: And he's sort of been letting Everybody else make his decisions for him
1: Yes Yep Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so this is the point Where he sings Being Alive And he says you know I used to sing the song as a kid but I don't think I really understood it until just now. And I can see that. And like he is now, and here's my thing. And and that he had to go through all of the struggle to really understand the emotional impact of this song. If he didn't have that, yada rejection letter, if he didn't break up with blade, he probably would not be able to really understand the heart of this song. And he wouldn't be able to sing it here. And I think that's, the interesting thing about season four, Kurt's mm-hmm. arc, is that he goes through all of this stuff. And, and you know, I younger Kurt had a lot of stuff, too. I mean, he lost his mom at a very young age. But he's had all of the experiences now that he is no longer that kind of wide-eyed innocent boy that Isabel talks about in Makeover. He is now, yeah. you know, becoming an adult and really kind of taking yeah. all of these experiences in and dealing mm-hmm. with them. And that is part of what this yeah. song is about. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, and I, and I really think it echoes sort of back to what uh, the uh, the connection between uh, you know Kurt and Blaine and Thanksgiving and how he was emotional and honest and thing with Blaine. Not that I got that aspect. I think that he fully realizes he could be emotionally honest with himself. Not for anybody else, because before we were talking about how his heart and mind were in conflict. And now I think that now this is the point where this is really, you know, he's taking ownership of all of it. I mean, his heart and mind are in one place now, now that he's gone through all this stuff. And this is what I think that makes the song choice in the moment so powerful on a personal standpoint. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: It's like he finally let himself feel something. Yeah. Mhm. And now he's feeling everything. Yes. Yeah. And this is like the culmination and of that. Exactly. Yeah, I think
2: so. And and uh, one thing I put, one thing that really struck me was how they framed the whole setup of the song. Uh, you could really see, you know, you could really see. It focused on him and he sort of loses himself. I mean, he doesn't focus on the audience, he just sings his heart out. And you can tell at the end, when he can, you know, after the hype and all the applause, he kind of brings it back to oh, you know, I'm in an audience, I'm, you know, I'm singing for, in front of all these people. And it kind of kind of comes back into focus, but he sort of loses himself in, in the song, and well, I well, love he that. starts
0: That's crying that. at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, towards uh, the uh, end, he yeah, he does. Yep, it does. He does.
2: Kind that. of
1: going off of your point, Connie. Some one reason why Kurt's solos resonate with me so much more than Rachel's is that you're right. We get at the beginning. He closes his eyes at the beginning. He kind of tunes. I mean, he's nervous. He's very nervous tunes everybody out, closes his eyes, and he just mm-hmm. goes to this deep place. And it's so Most yeah. people when they sing a solo, especially visually, it, it can be kind of boring. You're just sitting there listening. But yeah. he still manages to draw you in and you get caught up in the emotion <laughs> of his singing. And um he I mean he's crying, but you can feel it with him. He has, you know, and I so one thing I really, I don't I don't know if Chris Really understands that he does this, but he, He's so amazing at Just mm. pulling you in and just having You be there in the moment With him and feeling that emotion He is able, Chris is able to act So well through song That it's something that I mm-hmm. You know, please don't send hate mail I don't think Liam Michelle encompasses as much Through Rachel Berry I just don't see it um, So this one Taking comparisons away and just focusing on just car, it's just so deeply emotional. You do it's for the first time. He is really singing about how he feels because he is always mm-hmm. closed off. And and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're right. As he comes out of it, he wakes up and he's a little bit startled. And it's kind of you know everybody's looking yeah. at me. You know, oh my gosh, type thing. So yep,
2: that's even talking that conversation with him that he went to that. You know, regardless of what we think about. Her opinion. I mean, he went to that deep emotional place and made himself vulnerable mm-hmm. to that.
1: Yeah. I kind of, there's a couple more points I want to make about it. Um First of all, oh. I kind of see it as a, an, um, a response in some ways to my dark side.
0: Oh, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, goodness. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, oh. you know, We Used to Love Me with My Dark Side, you know, Blaine's expressing, you know, and Kurt, in a way, echoes it and says, you know, make me alive. Like, it, it just, to me, I mean, it's not a direct connection, but I see the two I solos. I see a loose
0: parallel. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's very much, yeah. um, they're both, they're songs that are both requesting the same thing. Hmm. And and, in different ways, because Blaine's song is definitely all about I'm regretting my choices. Can you love me despite all my bad choices? Whereas Kurt's is just like I just want someone to love me. (laughs) Yep. Mm Hmm. Well, and I I
1: mean here are some of the lyrics. I'm going to read some of these. Um, Somebody hold me too deep. deep. Somebody hold. Sorry. Somebody hold me too close. Somebody hurt me too deep. Somebody sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive. Somebody, somebody need me too much. Somebody know me too well. Somebody pull me up short and push me through hell and give me support for being alive. Somebody crowd me with love. Somebody force me to care. Somebody let, somebody let me come through. I'll always be there as frightened as you to help us survive being alive.
0: And just, yeah. If that doesn't sum up where Kurt and Blaine are at in their relationship right now, I don't know what does. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yep. I wrote in my notes, um, you know, Blaine, where is, because I saw this really, really amazing fan bit, and I just thought, go around with it, again, that somebody made around the time. It is about, you know, his dad. It is about Rachel. It is about Kurofsky. It is about all of, you know, Finn. It is about all of these other people that have had it impact. But a lot of it is also Blaine. And a lot of it is that no one can really quite make Kurt come alive like Blaine does. And no one really can mm-hmm. hurt Kurt as much as Blaine can. And, you know, it's, it's very much... The way... Another parallel to Mark... The way Mark, my dark... God, I can't talk today. The way Dark Side was with Blaine, where a lot of this textual is, you know, Blaine is singing about... I just want people to love me, even though there's this dark side. I think it's the same, and, and how that is, you know, a question to Kurt. I think this is, in turn, you know, I need somebody to help me be alive, and that is, you know, a response to blame. So that's just yeah. my interpretation of it. Um, so,
0: yeah. I have never put that together before, but I, I think yeah. I agree with you. And, and it's, for a show that doesn't do subtlety that is very subtle.
1: hmm I don't even know if that's what it was going for. I do think this was definitely...
0: No, but I think that it's a meta that works. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it does.
1: Yep. I Maybe do. the reason
0: why it's so subtle is because they didn't mean to do it. Yeah, no, I'm sure it
1: is. <laughs> I really don't think it was something... I, I even argue that... Dark Side was not really supposed to be all about Kurt either. I think it was just Blaine and and how he was feeling to was,
0: everyone. I think it was yeah, and I think it was really supposed to just. Well, that whole episode was like. I mean, it was one of the best ones they've ever done, but that whole episode felt like it couldn't be taken seriously in some ways. But. I think that I do, I think actually I agree in that sense. I don't know if they meant to do it, but it, it, that parallel is there. It, it,
2: yeah,
1: it definitely works. It, it totally works. So That's how I always see it. Um, but I, I just, the other thing that comes out of this. I mean, we have Kurt being open and emotional and vulnerable. and But he really starts, to, he really takes the song to heart because once we get into the second half of the season what we see is Kurt trying to be alive and trying to I mean that is you know he goes and he asks Adam out he goes and he does what literally you know later on in season 5 you know he's going to go and and do all the things that he does then and and a lot of this is okay you know I haven't been alive to this point I'm going to go live my life and be alive yeah so yep there's that. The one other thing I want to say about this is that Just from a vocal performance point of view um, It lets Chris and Kurt be in their lower register a little bit more Because it is a male song that he's singing And it is a glorious, glorious <laughs> yeah. thing I, I know It there, is, yes I know there are people that really love his high register And I'm not knocking that because he's got And he can do some amazing things, but um, I, I love, love
0: everything he does, but I do love that this is a song that lets him explore that lower register because it is just as gorgeous yeah. as as his higher uh, pitched songs. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, this yeah. is what I mean. I don't know if I can necessarily
1: rank Kurt solos, but this would be in the top five probably of mine. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So much love for so this so song. Too. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I agree. Definitely the top, or one of the top for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I just think that everything, the way, you know, obviously, like I said, the setting that they're in, the way it was, it's his emotional, his vulnerability, his state of mind, everything just sort of really worked in that moment. And it's just, it's kind of a breathtaking performance, you know. I, I, there might have been a moment where I quit breathing at one point, the very first time I saw that, because I was just like, <gasps> I'll have you to, know, to dig out yeah. the fan video for it, and I'll tag you guys in it. I know, um, I swear, I know which one you're talking. about. I just saw it go around I again. Know, so. I've seen it, yep. but
1: um, I just saw it go around again. So, uh, but it is amazing, and, and it just—it's only through this moment. So there's not a lot of like, it's not post playing or reconciling or anything like that. It's just where Kurt is up to this moment, and I think, you know, it it kind of works. It so it's interesting. It is a really interesting video, um, that it, which is why I was able to bring out those parallels because I'm like, oh wow, you know, this works on so many levels. I, and yeah. that and you know, and that's the yeah. really you know, Kitty. You said earlier, you know, they were you know, have to contract to do the five to eight songs, and I think that. Even on average, a lot of times they throw in songs because they have to fill up time. I don't think right. a lot of times the songs get to be, I don't think every song has to be emotional, but I do think it has to have no. some weight within the story that it's telling, even if it's a comedy. And I think sometimes Glee lost focus mm. on that just so that they could sing the biggest hit.
0: Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Gangnam style, anyone? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we kind of...
0: Which I think Ryan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually just came out and said that he regrets that they... Did they did that. that,
1: yeah. Was it
0: him that said that? Yeah,
1: that was him. Uh,
0: oh, really? One, one of the writers, I, I thought it was that. Ryan. I thought it was Ryan because yeah, was he's been Ryan. doing a lot of press for Versace, the Versace mini series yeah. coming up. I didn't realize that he talked about Glee during that time, so yeah. Um, it's been... But he did? He... I mean, he talked about some stuff briefly, and I think someone asked him, like, if he had something uh, uh, something about regrets or something, or I don't know, if there's something they wish they had done and didn't, or uh, or if they had, yeah. did do something and, and wish they hadn't, and he mentioned that he kind of wished they yeah. had never done Kingdom Style.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. On. We talked so, a lot. I mean, and we did talk quite a bit about that on the other and, podcast, because that was... And, and I just so. think
0: it's really interesting that in in that same vein that, that I wonder if there's just like lists of songs that you know it was the big hit so I mean, they did it because it was kind of almost expected for them to and now he kind of wishes you know they Yeah they
1: they did that yeah. quite a bit especially coming out of the summer stuff um, they usually try to yeah. hit on the biggest hits of the summer <laughs>
2: yeah. Well I, I thought about this interesting I keep on going back to this interesting interview that, that uh I- I forgot what, what I forgot what with which website it was, but I think it was between season after season three. But he really Ryan did really this like um uh, interview where he really talked in depth about what was going on behind the scenes, and I think at one point he was saying that there was this really disconnect with, with when. With the fox head, Kevin, I guess that was the time who really was focused on wanting to do pop songs and what sells and everything, versus Ryan who wanted to do more Broadway. Uh, was that started in season kind of three. Episode. That was right after. That started yeah. in season yeah, three. And I think that started in season three. Okay, I remember yeah. at that point, I, and I think that kind of kind of put, put maybe that still lingered. Over that because that can fit in I could see Them doing this Pops hit uh, as you mean, to,
1: Okay so you mean in relation um, To, to Gangnam Style One of the reasons they probably Had to do it yeah, was because of Fox Mandates yeah. It could have been yeah I think. Um, I could see that, that being researched Yeah, yeah we and I, I will tell Listeners if you haven't listened to it Go listen to Snarky and I's conversation um, In the first episode That we did for season 4 Where we talk about kind of the phenomenon and the road to season four through one through three. And one of the things we talked about very much is that, um, you know, and we talked about this in season three, is that after the first time, the showrunner, or the head of Fox, was like, you know what? I don't want any more of this, you know, musical theater stuff. Your show is, uh, it, 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 we kind of took it as the show was too gay. You need to make it more, you know, universal. And More mainstream. Mainstream, that was a good one yeah. for and yeah. you can tell, you know, after all of, season, you know, they did, they tried to do pop songs and et cetera, et cetera. And getting into season four, this is where you get the turn back to being a little, you know, I call it the little game show um, where they start yeah. to do, I mean, like, let's have a Kiki we just had with all the drag queens. You know, Kurt and yeah. Blaine's relationship is going to be more of a focus. And um, heading into season five, I think, again, another thing that, after, you know, the unfortunate events of real life happened, they were like, you know what? We're doing our show our way. We're going to, you know, just do whatever yeah, we feel well, like. And
0: I think that beca- uh, yeah. as a, and it, it's just another side effect of, you know, what happened. And the tragedy is that Fox kind of took a step back and said, okay, you guys can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And- because after that happened... I did not hear one word about yeah. network interference.
1: Yeah. No.
0: Yeah I, yeah. I noticed that too. And I think, I mean, it's
1: interesting. It's a little bit slightly in season four, but not as much. Um, I think that now that the kids are outside of high school, they were able to have a, more, a little bit more freedom. Because I do think that the New York storylines, Kurtz and Rachel's storylines, and even Finn's storylines are a little bit more adult and I think that they were allowed this freedom a little bit more now that the kids were eighteen and out of high school. Um so That's possible too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get the feeling that some of the mandate was these are high school kids, you can only do X, Y, and Z.
0: Yeah, and well and I'm wondering if so like because they had they could do the more adult storylines plus they have Rachel and then Kurt at Niada where it's expected you're going to do musical theater. And so um, they have a plot specific reason for that happening now. Plus you've got all the, you know, the actual Glee club back at McKinley. If they need to throw in a random pop song, Oh, look what the Glee Club's doing today. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that that was a way for them, maybe also unintentionally to get around that. Let's do less musical theater and more pop.
1: Right. Yeah. So, So yeah, um, to yeah, kind of fun. wrap up the, the episode, um, the last thing that we get with Kurt is um, the part in Don't Dream It's Over. Don't Dream It's Over, yeah. Um, and I, I love the song for, you know, Finn sounds really good on it. And I think that he'd been, mm-hmm. you know, progressing so much as a singer, especially in season four. I think he, he sounds really great on songs. And. Mm-hmm. You know, um, going back to the title real quick, this Kurt Swan song was being alive. Like this was his last ditch effort to do yeah. Miata, and if it was over, it was going to be over. Um, but we get "Don't Dream It's Over," which is this kind of hopeful. What's kind of a very melancholy, <laughs> hopeful uh, song, mm-hmm. and and this is it's, where yeah,
0: it's all about like everything sucks, but still you got to be hopeful for the future, right? Sort of yeah,
1: and and basically the Glee Club is saying we're going to still try to be together even though you know we think that our season is over yeah um and this is I I really love the moment where it's really really quiet and Rachel comes in and she's like what's going on because Kurt's kind of crying and he gets his neon letter and I love that it's played that you don't know you really don't know one way or the other until he says I got in and yeah this moment that was pretty powerful is so resonant.
0: This it whole is. episode was very the, the well, I guess these two episodes cuz it's very much he's very vulnerable, very emotional throughout all of it if you think about it. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he spends more time crying than anything else.
1: Yeah. But I think and the reason <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted to put these two together is that I think that the Thanksgiving phone call is very much connected to where he goes in this, you know,
0: think
1: his, so. his yeah. turn. It sort of yeah. like
0: cracks. He, he, it sort of like puts a crack in that shell he's wearing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah.
2: So,
1: this is all I, the upswing for him.
2: Well,
0: one so. of the, la- yeah. the things.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and this doesn't really have to do with Kurt, but one of the things that I've noticed in this episode when we were talking about Kurt's well, Kurt's moment with Rachel and how they connected with that conversation was Rachel's uh, Rachel's moment with Finn when she was talking to him on the phone and trying to give him a pep talk about what Glee Club meant. It wasn't c- competitions, but it was the um, but it was the, the moments that they share on the dirty I guess, like, you know that Glee Club was a way of people coming together that normally wouldn't come together and I think that was a pretty resonant moment and that's what led him to like write this letter to the you know to the kids and saying you know you know come and give it another chance so I think that was a pretty resonant moment for Ben and for which I think is ironic because for all Rachel says okay, this is, you know, we should be independent and this is our home anymore, but she keeps, keeps on backing out, Ken and she keeps on reflecting on the past and, and things. So I thought that was an interesting moment, but very powerful for for Finn and Rachel in that respect.
1: Well, two things and come to mind in, in regard to that. First is Rachel's compartmentalizing. She's trying mm-hmm. to do the grown-up thing. She's trying to be with Brody. She's trying to, you know, be a grown-up. But um, yeah. she she still holds on to a lot of these past things very deeply. But she is better than Kurt, actually, at cutting herself off from those feelings. Um, she's not yeah. going to do that. She's not going to feel pain. She's going to just, you know, probably more so than... In a way she's had to do that more throughout her life So I, I understand mm-hmm. that um, The other thing that I think yeah. I think I mentioned this a little bit before When we were talking about the phone call Is that the Klain phone call And the Finchel phone call had two different purposes The, the Klain phone call Is about reconciliation And the, the forward movement to become A romantic couple again Whereas the Finchel one was more about helping Mm -hmm. each other in their individual storylines and move forward. And I don't see the romantic aspect of that phone call. I think it is a very resonant Mm -hmm. moment, but to help them pick each other up as friends and keep going. And so, yeah, Yeah, I just think it's a different thing that happened. Yeah, it's
2: it's a different, yeah, it's phone calls for different purposes. I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: Did I um, ever tell you guys, um, Don't Dream It's Over, the first time I heard that song, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but in, back in the early 90s, um, there was a TV movie made of, um, of Stephen King's book, The Stand, and, I've
0: never seen it yeah. but okay oh. um,
1: in after um, the yeah. first part the first part of the novel is all about you know this plague that happens and everybody dies out except for these survivors well the, there's a four-part miniseries and the first part of the miniseries was all about um, the the plague that kind of like kills off most of America and the second part opens and there's just these few survivors scattered around everywhere and oh. um, it's don't dream it's over plays well. The camera pans over all of these dead bodies oh. all over America. So I always think oh, of that. Geez. I know oh. it's disturbing. I think you can oh, find God. it that moment on YouTube and, and check it out. It, it's a very, it's very disturbing and effective in oh, a lot of ways. Weird. So I've always yeah. associated that song with massive amount of plague death, I guess. But it just as a, a past <laughs> when you get past the the apocalyptic thing. You know, you keep on going is really what it is, and um, so I'm just bringing that thought over to this particular episode.
2: <laughs> that would, that's the eerie thing, yeah. That would be really eerie. Yeah.
1: So yeah, and and you know, like I said when we started, um, this these two episodes wrap up um, the the storylines really from the first eight nine episodes of the show. I mean, when we were gonna have Lee actually, which is kind of a standalone. Um,
0: yeah, and it's and and for what it is, it has to be a standalone because of the way that they did it. Yeah, it's kind of it's, funny. It's definitely,
1: the it's written
0: a very specific way.
1: Yeah, um, and and I've actually done the, the the actually podcast at this point. We talked a little bit about how Klein's story is actually the only one that gets a little bit of forward movement in it, but for the most part, it's a, it's a standalone mm-hmm. story. And when we come back in Sadie Hawkins, it's an entirely different show. It is just—it is—it feels different. The tone changes. Yeah,
2: it does. Yeah.
1: The first part of season four, the first half of it, is a very dark show for a while, with all the breakups and all the changes, and it's just unsure of itself. But when we come back, it's going to be the kind of bright comedy, and it's not bright yet. It's kind of dark, but. Um, the
0: comedy stuff well, comes and I, I I mean, it's completely unrelated to Clayne, to but I think that they figured out that we don't love to hate Kitty. We all just hate her. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but Sadie Hawkins is the episode where they make her likable. And from that point on, I love her to bits. And yeah. I don't know how that happened. And because yeah. I hated her with a fiery vengeance before then.
1: I think they make her a person. I think they yeah. stop making her...
0: Because think What's about... What's so weird is they did that by making her make out with Puck. Yeah. Okay. How is, that? How is that? I mean, that, that <laughs> happened and I'm like, wow, I really like her!
1: Oh, God. But, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's part of that the old crew and the new crew have stories together. They're all interacting together. Um, they are not... And, and even... I mean think about I don't I didn't like early Santana I didn't I really didn't like Early Quinn Um So True It just takes some time For them to some t- I think that Ryan Murphy and co Really seem to like Writing Mean Girls <laughs> For whatever reason But um I'm glad that they seem to Give them all personalities Eventually so mm-hmm. Um That's one reason why I couldn't get into Stream Queens I'm like None of these characters Are like well, I couldn't I mean it wasn't my of tea to begin with But I didn't even bother. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I mean, I didn't watch any of it. Mm-hmm. I just saw the premise and the character stuff, and I'm like, no, not me. So that's just my sense. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming out and doing this double episode with me. Um, if the listeners have not, I really encourage you to go listen to the Blaine side of these um, of this uh, particular uh, thing. Oh, God. This particular episode. I <laughs> okay. Man, we failed today. Um, and um, if you uh, if you have done that though, um, stay tuned for next week when we talk about uh, my favorite Christmas episode, Glee. Actually, so thanks and have a great night.
0: Missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just